0: Great, it's good to see everybody. This would be my service. If I had to go to a service, I'd go to the second service. 11, I'd sleep till 10. If I didn't have little kids waking me up at 6.30, this would be mine. Um, Let me pray, and uh, we'll get started. God, uh, I thank you for this opportunity this morning uh, to be able to come together as a church, and I pray that you would speak to us. God, that you would bring us revelation this morning about uh, what you're doing in our lives what the Word is, what the encouragement is that you have for us this morning. I pray that you would already start to bring to people's minds um, the things during the week that you want to speak to them about this morning, the things in their life that have happened that you want to speak to them about this morning. pray right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take a look at a verse, one of my favorite scriptures from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And, um... This, I believe, paints such an accurate picture of what we believe as Christians, what what is unique and distinctive about what we believe as Christians. So starting in verse 5, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This idea that, that we believe as Christians that Jesus was, in, by his very nature, he was God. That he was, before the world was created, Jesus existed. It, 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 it almost goes back to, to John talking about it was through Christ that everything was created. That he, he was with God when everything was created. He is, by very nature, God. This is fundamental belief. As Christians, and a lot of times we can just rattle it off, oh yeah, Trinity, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, that kind of stuff but but think about what we're actually saying we're saying that this man who walked the earth who who actually lived, was part of history, was actually God in the flesh and blood. This is what we believe as Christians, that he was by very nature God, and yet he he chose to walk among us now if we can if we can grasp that, we now have to deal with the humility that God would have to deal with. Think, think about what God would have to do to take on flesh and blood. I was thinking about if you, could, if you could possibly see God's perspective. You know, I don't know what God sees when he looks out, but somehow he looks out and he sees nothing, and he decides to create, bam, the universe. And, oh, little earth. Little earth. It would be a lot smaller than that. But, okay, let's just say it was this big. And then he looks on the earth and and he says, oh, I'm going to create some people, you know, some mud and stuff. And he creates people. And then he chooses to be one of them, to be one of these little specks on, on this planet. That is tremendous humility, don't you think? Like if it was me, I would do it, but I'd be like king of the world. I'd be like 12 feet tall. Yeah, I'm God, check me out, you know, totally different, something about me, and I'd want to make sure people knew, yeah, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not like y'all, you know. But God God cho- chooses not only to, to do that, but to take on the form of a servant in, 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 in a crappy little time. I mean, who wants to be around Palestine in the year zero? You know, whenever, who, who wants, I mean, think about it. Just on what we know about history, you know, when would you pick to to go? Would would that be it, you know? I I said in the first service, I'm looking for air conditioning, man. Like, seriously, I thank God for air conditioning. Because, I I mean, he chose that time and that that place. And you know what? He could have also snapped his fingers and been a a 30-year-old and went right into ministry. But he chose to be a baby. Think about Christmas. How crazy is that? Christmas, we're worshiping God as a baby. Is that nuts? Is that nuts that God would go, he went from heaven to earth? That's another song. I'm hoping, this is actually an audition for me, I'm hoping that Chris is going to pick me up for his record label. You know, we see he went from heaven to earth. Yeah, that's the song, I don't know the rest. Um, you know, we sing this song, but think about what we're saying, he went from heaven Like, awesome, perfect stuff to earth. And not just earth, like, Palestine, year zero, no AC, no internet, no cars. I mean, come on. That's the humility of Christ that we see in this verse that Paul is taking out. This idea that he was by very nature God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't consider the very nature that he was God something for him to hold on to for himself. He chose to empty himself to take on flesh and blood and to be, to walk among us, to be a human. John MacArthur says it like this. He says, he refused to selfishly cling to his favored position as the divine son of God, nor view it as a prized possession to be used for himself. He didn't look at his divinity, his, his, his relationship with the Father as something to be used for himself, but chose to, to come to the earth, to chose to, to do what he did. He made himself nothing. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Being born in a stable, being born in a stable. I mean, again, you know, if I'm coming, all right, all right, I'm going to do the baby thing, all right, well, at least I'm going to be born at Chance or something. Like, it's going to be a great hospital. He's born in a stable, lowly peasant couple in an insignificant town, in an obscure corner of the Roman Empire, in an obscure time in the history of the world. Now, just to bring it into perspective, I know we have some young lifers here in this service. These guys, young life, it's crazy. They go into high schools, right? This is what we used to do. You go into a high school, and you're like, between classes or at lunch, and you're like, hey, how's it going? It's your young life leader. What's up? And they're like, Dude, this is my school. Like, do you not have friends? You know, don't you have people your own age to hang out with? Like, even we were talking about it between the services. Even your like campaigner kids, like the kids that are supposed to know what's going on, they're still like, dude, what are you doing here? Like, um, just want to be around. But think of the great humility that that takes. I mean, not just that it took humility; it was humiliating. In other words, if you didn't have the humility, you would by the time you were done. Okay? They would be taken from you any sense of pride because you could have just given the best presentation at your office and given a promotion and they gave you a new car and it could have been the best day of your life. And you go into a high school and you are nothing. Alright? You you you're a weird guy that hangs around the school. Okay? So so there if you think about the this link that we would go to as young life leaders, that is such a small thing compared to what God has done. I mean, we go from like regular guy to weirdo freak at the school. He goes from God of the universe, creator of everything ever, to little person on the planet that he created. You know you see what I'm saying? You multiply what we did as young life leaders by a thousand, by a million, and we still don't even scratch the surface of the great distance that God traveled by becoming man. By taking on the, the form of a servant, by taking on the the, the very nature of of a servant, not just a person, but a servant, and then giving himself over to death, death on a cross. Again, if it's me, I'm going to wait until, you know, they're not doing any more crucifixions. I'm holding out for lethal injection. You know, something a little bit better. God could have done it. God could have done it. But he chose to do that. And why? Why did he choose to do this? It shows the great lengths that God is willing to go to to clear the way for us to be able to have relationship with him. The the great lengths, the great distances that he is willing to travel to make sure that the, the, the road is clear, there is nothing to stop us from being able to pursue him. And if you think about it, it's consistent with the message of God. We have thousands of years of history with God before Jesus. When you look at the Old Testament and you see what God is doing, God is constantly trying to open up the way for his people to be able to experience him in a more intimate way. For them to be able to draw close to him. He delivers them out of Egypt. Why? So that they can worship him. So that they can now enter into relationship with him in a new way, f- with freedom. Well, th- that's just a, a, a small part of what Jesus did. Jesus is the full revelation of the heart of God. He's the full revelation of everything about God. So before that, you know, we could think, well, God's pretty cool. You know, He, he got us out of Egypt, and that was nice and, you know, whatever, but he still did kind of wipe out a couple villages, and that freaked us out a little bit. You know, Old Testament stuff can be a little scary. But then Jesus comes on the scene, and he's like, no, 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 everything you've seen before has been a partial revelation of who the Father is, but I'm here to show you. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you wonder if his heart breaks when you're going through a hard time, look at the Son who cries with compassion. If you wonder, you know, where is God when things are falling apart, look at his son who's right there with you. If you wonder about the travesty that's happened in your life and the total unfairness and, and, and whatever issues there is, look at the son who, who subjected himself to the cross. And so for, for all time we have this message of, of the heart of the father desiring for us to be able to draw into this intimate relationship with him. And Paul paints this picture, I think, so eloquently of just, just reminding us of what God has done with an encouragement, right? Because I think you could do the whole talk. I could be done right now, and that could be the whole thing. and We could pray, and Jesus, love us more. We want more intimacy. But I think there's more than that. I think there's more than just having, you know, the we're going to sing some Christian songs and have a little love fest over Jesus. Yeah, it's awesome. But look at what Paul is doing. Paul puts this in there and he starts off with, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Actually, if you look at the the scripture right before it, if you look at the scripture right before it, Philippians 2, 1 through 4, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, you can hear Paul pleading with the Philippians, right? He's writing this letter. They're obviously dealing with some pride issues, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. There's all kinds of wordplay in there where he's, he's juxtaposing. Wow, did I just use that word right? He's putting these two things against each other, right? And where he's saying selfish ambition, you know, vain conceit with God who empties himself, who takes on the form of a, of a, of a servant. He's, he's putting these two things as opposed to each other. And he's saying, look, these are the things that you guys are dealing with. But you should, he actually says, you should put in you the mind of Christ. That's what we translate as being having the, the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Or different translations have a different way. But the idea that we would have inside of our minds the same mind of Christ. That same attitude that we would consider whatever rights, whatever privileges, whatever things that we have, they're not for us to hold on to. They're not for us to grasp but instead they're for us to use to be able to consider others better than ourselves to be able to advance the Father's will, to be able to do what the Father wants to do. It's turning that point. It's actually like, like uh, Antley was talking about just a minute ago. Of It's not about what happens in these four walls, but what happens outside of there, of actually being able to get out there and live this out, to actually go out and have the attitude that's similar to Christ Jesus. It's not just about receiving the intimacy that that he's offered us. Yes, that's awesome. And it should empower us and transform us so that we can go out and empower other people and transform other people with that same message. Take a look at this verse, Colossians 2, 9 through 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. For in Christ, all the fullness... Think about how huge that is. All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In Christ, the fullness of God lives. And you have been given the fullness of Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. This is why I think this is such an important concept for us, because there's this relationship between Jesus emptying himself to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with the presence of God, so that he could be filled with, the, with the, God, the Godhead, the fullness of the Godhead in his bodily form. This is what we want, don't we? This is what we want for ourselves. Take a look at this quote from a, a guy named Andrew Murray. wrote a great book on humility. And he says, uh, We are nothing but a vessel, a channel through which the living God can manifest the riches through which God can manifest, that means bring into reality, make real the riches of his wisdom, power, and goodness. The root of all virtue and grace, of all faith and acceptable worship, is that we know that we have nothing but what we receive, and we bow in deepest humility to wait upon God for it. This idea that we are, we're a vessel, we empty ourselves, and what do we receive? The riches of God. That's pretty cool. That's pretty motivating for me. All right? I'm not so motivated by humble yourself, make yourself you know, nothing, empty yourself. That doesn't really get me going. But when I think about that means that God will manifest himself more and more in me. He will manifest himself more and more in my life. That I will experience more of the life that God anticipated for us to have in Christ. That's exciting for me. That, that makes me want to humble myself, to be like Jesus. In Jesus, we see the humblest person that ever lived. Think about some of the things that Jesus said. When he says, uh, you know, I don't do anything on my own, but I see, I do what I see the Father doing. What a humble statement. It's not, it's not my will that I'm seeking, but it's the will of the Father. I mean, this is all the fullness of God in bodily form. And, and he says these humble statements. It, it, it's, it's ironic that the most humble man that ever lived claimed to be equal with God. You see that? Do you know anybody who claims to be God? I know people that act like they think they're God. I don't want to be around them. I'm not really excited about hanging out with a guy who always talks like the world revolves around him. Okay, But somehow people love Jesus. They wanted to be around him even though he would make outrageous statements like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God's like? Take a look at me. Wow, you know. Those are crazy statements taken outside of Jesus. But Jesus did it in a way, in humility, in recognizing that he was just a vessel that God chose to use. That the only reason he could do anything was because the Father enabled him by the Spirit that he was anointed to go and do these things. Not that he couldn't do these things. Oh, wow, that guy got healed? Yeah. Had no idea that would happen. Yeah, I just I prayed. I didn't know. He wasn't doing that. But he was saying, no, I've been anointed by God. I'm, I'm humbled by the fact that God's going to use me to heal you. That's the kind of attitude that Jesus portrayed. James, James quotes in uh, chapter 4, he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is a consistent theme of Scripture, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We want more grace? We can be more humble. The more that we empty of ourselves, the more that we receive from God. The more that we give up our rights and privileges, and give them at the foot of God and say, God, what do you want to do? How, how does this play into you? Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. If there's another way, I'm all for it, but I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you. That's the kind of language that God uses. Okay, so what are we supposed to think? How do we, how do we apply this? If we say, okay, well, I understand. God wants this relationship, you know, to, this intimate relationship, and he's gone to this great length, and he's set this example for us of emptying ourselves and living in humility, but what does that really look like? I think... One way to look at us and not not think too highly of ourselves, not to think too highly of ourselves. I think of my brother. He'll never listen to this talk, so this is cool. Um, I'm going to Africa. I'm going to Africa, and he's like, "Man, those people—they just need to get out of there." <laughs> what? Yeah, there's nothing there but dirt. I'm like, and he's partly joking, but he's partly not. He's like, you know, I. Start a business, man. Do like I did. I worked hard, you know. Now this is what I got. Are you serious? You know, like, how can you take pride in anything? How can, if you really think about it, even if you you worked hard all your life, most of us were born in America. We were born into almost everything. That got us 90% of the way there. How can we really take pride? It was really weird. Yesterday I was at a football game. And so I was was putting together, you know, the talk and stuff. And so I was really thinking about pride and humility. Don't ever go to a football game thinking about pride and humility. It'll it'll whack you out. Football games are all about pride, and it's obnoxious. You're like Tennessee, yeah, you stink. Like, who are you, and who are they? It's like I went to this school, what, over 10 years ago, and I never played football, never put on, you know, the pads, never went out there and played, and yet somehow I'm the representative. I'm the proud one from the University of Florida to say, you, Tennessee fan, you stink. And this guy somehow is humiliated by it. You, you stink because the school that you went to 20 years ago, they have a football team that you don't even know any of the players, but they just lost. You really stink. How weird is that? But it's the way that we're, it's like part of our carnal nature is to be proud people and to find pride in these weird things. But it's not. It's not going to lead us to to this life to the full that we're talking about. Don't get me wrong, I love football, and I'm hopefully going to forget a lot of this so I can just enjoy the next game and not be analyzing everything. At one point, the guy behind me yelled at one of our, Brandon James had this awesome game, and he dropped the ball, and the guy's like, Nice job, you know, next time hold on to the ball. And I'm thinking, who are you? It's like you're fifty years old, you're intoxicated, and you're yelling at this kid who's had this great game, like but anyways Wow, that was off. Okay, so this idea that we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves that we really need to think about what is it in our life that we take pride in? Because if it all comes from God. I'm not saying that you shouldn't recognize the good things that you have in your life and that you shouldn't work hard and be able to look back and say, wow, look at these great things. But you know what? They're an accomplishment that comes from God. It would be stupid for Tebow. If you were to go, Tebow, man, good game. Oh, what, me? Oh, no, that, that 40-yard pass, I just dropped the ball. And next thing I knew, the guy picked it up and ran with You know, that's not, that's not humility. Like, oh, yeah, I thought, man, I thought I dropped the ball, and next thing I knew, the guy had it, you know? No, you are a good football player. It's okay to say that. You don't have to, you know, every time qualify. Well, no, I'm not really a good football player. Just, you know, God played football out there for me. What? You can say I'm talented, I'm gifted, I'm happy that God has chosen to use me as a vessel. Like Andrew Murray was talking about, this idea that I'm happy that God has chosen me as a vessel. We shouldn't think too highly of ourselves, but we shouldn't think too lowly of ourselves. We need to remember that we're more than just, I'm I'm a sinner saved by grace, brother. I'm I'm just another, I'm a beggar. I'm a beggar just showing other beggars where the food is. We have to get past that. We we have to move beyond that. Because we're we're children of God. We're the righteousness of God. I mean, these are promises of Scripture. You're not going to find those as promises of Scripture. Jesus said, y'all are just beggars. And I'm going to tell you where the food is. Jesus doesn't say that but that you are the righteousness of God, that in Christ the work that's been accomplished for you is that you are the righteousness of God. Wow. Can you take pride in that? Well, you can take pride in what God's done. You can boast in God. You can boast in what God has done to make you that. This is, it's an attitude. It's the it's way that we communicate it. Just like Jesus was somehow able to say, I'm God, and at the same time come across humble, this is our calling. This is the attitude that Paul is asking us to have, that we would rec- that we would have that same type of humility. Hmm. Recognizing. Recognizing that it's all by grace. There's nothing that we have that doesn't come by grace. There's nothing that you've done to earn what God's done for you. It's just another form of pride. Even when we go and we try to work hard for God, that's just another form of pride. You know, people think that you know, a a crackhead or a prostitute or whatever. They think that these people are so far from God. Oh, man, we really need to go minister to them. They are so far from God. You know who's far from God? The person who thinks that they've got it all together. The person who thinks, I'm a self-made man. I've done it all on my own. You should do it on your own, too. That person is the masterpiece of Satan because he, he really believes he doesn't need God. And that is the only thing that's going to stop, stop him from going after God. God's already cleared all the barriers. He's opened up the road. It's clear. All it takes is for us walking down the path. But if you think you've got it all together, if you think you don't have a need for God, then you, you're in the place where you're furthest from God because you're not, going to, you're not going to accept what he's already done for you. So what does it mean? Okay, What does it mean to be humble? How can we apply this, River City Church? How can we, River City Church, apply this message to our lives? How, you know, where can we look for how God might be using this? Where is it the Spirit might be pulling you that you might need to humble yourself? I don't know. I can't tell you. We're going to have a great opportunity here to pray in a little while. But I can give you some examples of stuff. You know, We're all about risk at River City Church. Listen to this. In other words, in all its forms, humility is the risk of losing face. Humility is the risk of losing of not being noticed, not being appreciated, not being praised, not being rewarded. Lowliness runs the obvious risk of being looked down on. John Piper said that. This idea that real humility is risky. If you really humble yourself, people aren't going to notice. If they noticed, was it really humility? You know what I mean? Hey, check me out, I'm humble. You know, it's one of those things you really can't, it's not going to happen. As soon as you think you got it, you don't have it, you know. So, so it's, it's gotta be, there's got to be risk involved. By humbling yourself, there's some element of risk. I think about, for me, a lot of times, you know, I hesitate to come forward for prayer at the end. You know, like, oh, there's an opportunity for prayer at the end. But I don't want people to think, you know, whoa, that, I, that I'm, I'm crazy or that I did something weird this week or whatever. You know, I'm thinking about what other people think. Well, that's my own form of pride. There is a risk associated with humbling yourself. There's a risk associated with uh, Gina talking about giving it to God and saying, man, I can't, I can't do this on my own. There's a real risk and humility there and saying, you know what? If anything good happens, if I get the job and I get into school, it's all by God's grace. There's real humility in there, but there's real risk. There's real risk in, 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 in doing that. And that's what I want to encourage us to do um, this morning. Right, right now, let's go ahead and stand And pray.